Welcome into the Phil Arlinghouse program. I'm your host, Phil Arlinghouse. You know, I I played some Lady Gaga for the intro music. Still got it going right now. You know, I I like this song. I have fun with it. I, I thought it would be um, a good way to intro this this thing coming in. But, you know, the... The real point is, is, you know, honestly, I don't live for the applause. I just thought it was, <laughs> you know, I kind of had one of these things that I, I like the song and I think it would have been a good song to, you know, open a show up with or something. So that's why I did. Um, I really don't live for the applause. I, I've been behind the scenes a lot in, in my work and, and different things like that. And so, you know, now I'm branching out. And getting out into the public eye and, you know, different things like that. And now I'm here. Now I'm trying to get everything going. I'm, I'm comfortable behind this mic. And I'm comfortable in a studio. And uh, my makeshift studio here at the house, which is an oversized walk-in closet. I, I mean, it's big enough that it could technically be a like a nursery a small nursery for a newborn or something um you know it's probably uh eight feet by eight feet or so i mean it's a decent sized closet and you know i'm, I'm glad to have the space where i can you know shut the door and get away and 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 come speak to you all and and just you know, have some fun and, and play some Lady Gaga. I know probably most people listening probably don't care for Lady Gaga, don't like Lady Gaga. Uh, you know, and, and to be honest, I don't care for some of her politics and stuff too and some of her theatrics, but I I actually like her music. You can hate me for that. You can not like me. You can not vote for me for that, and that's okay. And, but that's just what I have there. So tonight's show I want to get into some of the issues that I'm running for. And uh so um I'm just trying to see what's going on and having some opportunity to speak with you all. I, I appreciate this. I appreciate coming into your uh homework Jim, car, whatever you're listening to me on, I, I know, uh, maybe maybe by the time this actually gets out there, and people listen to it, we may be through some of the lockdown stuff with the Chinese virus, but, or maybe not. Maybe we're on a longer lockdown. I mean, there are some people, some scientists suggesting we need five weeks, we need three months of shutdown, and. You know, I think that would be incredibly hard for America, and and it would take a while to come back from that if we, if we go that route. I mean, not so much the five week uh, shutdown, but definitely a three month shutdown. I personally think that would that would really hurt uh, a lot of people, uh, a lot of businesses. It would really hurt the economy, and and I think President Trump is doing a good job on that, and. Not do that, and not wanting to do that. So this one's probably, if math serves me right, this would be the first week of April when this podcast is out there and when it comes out. So you may be listening in June, and you may be listening when it drops in April. But 
I just wanted to come to you and speak to you on some, an issue that I'm running on. And that issue is term limits. Now, some of y'all may have heard of this idea, may have not heard of it. This may be the first time you're hearing about it. Or you may be hearing it and going, yeah, yeah, I don't believe in them. Or, yeah, yeah, I do believe them and we need to enact this. And um, I believe in them. I think they should be in place. I think if we have term limits for the president, then we should have term limits for the other uh, the, the other branch. Um, I, I, I think Senate and House needs them. And the president needs them. I don't... The founder set up the life appointment of the, the Supreme Court, and I don't really have an issue with that. That's that's a special case. That's a different thing. I, But when you have the way our government is set up, the actual legislative branch and the executive branch, it's supposed to be a citizen representing us there. And that could be anything. I mean, they could be lawyers. They could be doctors. They could be... People like me who are uh, ministers and who are media people and, and, and who work a job, you know, a nine to five job every day that's not a white collar job. And, and it's, you know, it's an hourly paid job. Those were the people that that the founders had in mind to come and serve for a time. We've gotten away from that. And. We have career politicians, and you know I don't think all career politicians are are evil or out to get there. There, there's some I think legitimately wants to serve, and that's why they stay. But I see I really only see those career politicians that that really want to help at the local level. I don't see them at the federal level. I, I see them as mayors or county commissioners, you know, and I still think there's problems with some of those uh, groups I mean we've had issues we've had issues in the state of Tennessee where uh, we've had we had a war down in Athens over this uh, but that was more of an issue of not necessarily uh, term limits but you know ballot messing with to get you know oh we have all the ballots counted and they're 100 to nothing uh, in favor of the incumbent yeah yeah, there's something wrong with that, you know, and so, which is a whole other story. Go out and find that story, the Battle of Athens, Tennessee, uh, if you want to learn an interesting piece of history from Tennessee. Uh, but when you get to the federal level, you have people who have been in office for a long, long time. You have Nancy Pelosi, you have Chuck Schumer. Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell, we we have them on both sides. I mean, they've been there 30 years. Chuck Schumer's been there for a long time. Um, Mitch McConnell's been there 30 years or so. I mean, Senator Bernie Sanders, uh, he's been there 44 years, I believe. It's over 40 years that he's been there. Uh, Joe Biden was over 40 years before he became vice president. I mean, really? We, we, we want people who stay there long term, who make a career out of this, who use it to fill their coffers and, and get basically free stuff. I mean, that's, that's wrong. We, we should have people who really want to serve this country to go do it. We, they, they shouldn't be in there long term.
that's why I am a, a term limits candidate. I have signed the U.S. term limits pledge. Now let me let me read this pledge to you. I, Phil Arlinghouse, pledge that as a member of Congress, I will co-sponsor and vote for the U.S. term limits amendment of three House terms and two Senator terms, Senate terms, and no longer. That's if I go on and and choose to be Senate a Senator. That's that's my commitment. I I believe in term limits because I I've seen what career politicians are doing. They're sitting there. They're making millions and millions of dollars. I post something about term limits on Instagram. Uh, a couple weeks ago, it gets flagged for being false, and then you go fact check the fact checker, fact checkers, and you realize, okay, it's false because it's like a couple million dollars off. When you're dealing over a hundred million dollars, and you're like ten million dollars off, I don't really think that makes that statement any false any falser or less true than than what this thing says it says nancy pelosi's been there 30 years and net worth of uh, making like one hundred and ninety thousand dollars a year for 30 years and has and has 190 million dollars in net worth well if you go look, her net worth, her net worth alone, they're also wanting to say, well, it was with her husband that she makes. No, it's not. That's her net worth alone by herself is $120 million. So, you know, I'm off what, what is that? $70 million? Uh, that doesn't make that statement any less true because if you do 190 times 30 years, it's like $5.6 million or something. It's not... 120 million dollars or 190 million dollars whatever you want to say it literally is not that much so we go 190,000 times 30 5.7 million dollars that's a long ways off from 120 million dollar net worth what well, i mean that's that's just unbelievable and we're investigating Donald Trump over a phone call where he asked a foreign government for assistance into looking into what happened in the 2016 elections or even before that not not looking ahead to get dirt on joe biden which is what they wanted no this was looking into what happened in the past that's what an investigation does something happens you look into the past to see what happens why why did this thing go down what happens in this case? What makes it this way? That's what you do. You look back. What was all right? Who are the people involved? What were were their involvement? How did they do? And when you have a vice president telling the president over in Ukraine that you need to fire the the prosecutor general over there and do it before you have six hours because I'm leaving, or you're not going to get the money. Well, it's kind of funny they they didn't get the money anyway, even though they did fire the guy. And they're like, you don't have that authority. Call him. 
Call Barack, you know, and the the flippancy that that Joe Biden had to talk to a world leader and call him Barack. I don't care if he, I mean, I don't think Barack's his legal name. I think it was changed to get him into college and whatnot. But you can call me a conspiracy theory on that. I, you know, that's fine. But I do think that that's just flippancy. He should have just said, call the president, call Mr. President, call President Obama, something like that. Instead of just, oh, call Barack. That's just, to me, just being disrespectful to the office. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I don't have any, there's no love lost between me and President Obama. But I think if I'm talking to a world leader, I'd have one, I would have the respect of the country to call him president. You know, I, you know, both the respect of, of the United States and two, the respect of their country and their president to go president so-and-so, whoever it is, and president, you know, if at the time it was Barack Obama, so I would say President Obama called the president, call Mr. Obama, call Mr. President, call President Obama, something like that, not call Barack. It just shows how disrespectful these people are. You know, there's something there, and whatever. But I do think why why does a why does the Speaker of the House, who makes $190,000 a year, has a net worth of $120 million? Why? And I'm sure if you look into other people like Chuck Schumer, and uh, you know, even even I'm not I'm not just picking on them. I'm Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, these other people. I, I guarantee if you look into their thing, there's there's some corrupt dealings there. That's why we need to have term limits. Uh, one of the reasons we need to have term limits, uh, so that we can root out corruption. Now, you really want to drain the the swamp? Let's say we tur- turn in term limits. All right. And, I, and I'll give it, you know, let's say, all right, let's do term limits. If you're running for this current election cycle, you're good to run this current election cycle. But after that, you're, you're done. This is your last cycle if we put in term limits. I think that's what it is. We, we, we do that. We put in term limits. It's not going to be, you're going to be grandfathered in for this election, for the 2020 election. But after that, you're not going to run in 2022 and then go, oh, well, I'm using my three term limits. No, you used your three term limits back in 91, 92, and 93. Actually, 91, 93, and 95. You know, that's when you used your three. We, we gave you a little bit of breathing room to run this election because it's in the middle of the cycle. I get that. We're not going to run this game of, oh, you get your three again, but we're not going to run that game. We, we're, we're tired of games out here in the world world. We're tired of games out here in Tennessee District 1. And I'm sure the other districts of Tennessee, well, for the most part, are as well. And I'm sure the other districts in other states are as well. I know for sure there are several of them that I'm, um, that I'm getting in contact with that are having people who signed this pledge as well. And they see that they're, they're getting fed up. And they're seeing that the constituents of that district is being fed up. Now, I'm, I'm wondering how they're going to redistrict our district to counter this come next year and a year after. Because, oh, look, what's coming down this year. It's been 10 years. We have the census this year. So we need to get in and get this stuff done now. 
before they redistrict us, before they turn districts like District 1, try and turn it blue. Because I guarantee they might just make us a big one with Knoxville and Chattanooga in it. And we're already turning a bit blue up in the Tri-Cities here. I mean, there's it's becoming more and more blue with the schools up there. Uh, you know, I love I love the schools up there. I love ETSU. I love Northeast Technical Community College. I love Walter State. I love, you know, Tusculum. And I, I love King University up there. But, you know, ETSU is a public school. And, and unfortunately, public schools are going left and going liberal. And, and that affects everything going on there. Uh, you know, I... I just think that we have to work hard and keep this. So we, we, we need term limits in place so we don't have people going crazy and, and staying in office for 30, 40, 50 years at a time or dying in office um, like we just had the, the guy from Baltimore. Um, what's his name? Uh... Uh, something, something, whatever. The black guy from uh, from Baltimore, from uh, Elijah Cummings. Yeah, he just died uh, during the the, the uh, hearings, during the impeachment hearings, and and you know it just because he's been there for so long. It's not like he got elected in twenty eighteen. And then he happened to die, which, you know, if that was the case, I could understand not being upset. But, you know, he he served there for a long time. Uh, yeah, he served there from 96 to 2019. That's a long time. That's, uh, let's see, that is 20, 22 years. That, that's, uh, you know, that's a long time. 22 years. Uh, that's, that, that is a long time. We have to understand what we're, uh, what we're up against. I mean, he's a Democrat. He's, he hated Trump. He hated being there. Um, he didn't hate being there. He hated being, well, being there with Trump as president and, he was part of the little cabal to try and get him out, the coup to get President Trump out. And, you know, and that's wrong. If, if, if he was there, was able to serve three years and be done, that that's another thing. That's something that we have to look into. We can't go about doing this all the time. We can't let them run there. This should not be, this is not, our government was not set up for this to be a career for them. It was set up for citizens to lead the country and give to the country and then go back to society and go back into the private sector. But some people use this as, this is my full-time job. You know, I've had people said, uh, tell me recently that this is a good fit for me running for office. And, and I'm scared to hear that from people. Quite honestly, I'm... I haven't, I've, I've 
I've heard that myself inside me. You know, you're good at this. You know politics. You know history. You know what should be done. You know the Constitution. And it's something that I have to fight against to, so that I don't become a career politician. But I don't necessarily want to become a career politician. I want to serve time, help get this country on a solid track that is going the right direction and keep it on that you know you know like if it's a train i want it to stay on the track there's no reverse there's no turning there's no hopping the tracks it's going straight down the direction that it's going in and, and that's toward the constitution and toward god and and toward family values and and that's not sticking sticking around and, and long enough to go oh well you know if I stick around, I would be here for a long time, and then I will become the high-end member of this committee, or even the chair to the committee. Or, you know, it would be nice to be the chair. Put that on my resume. You know, I'm not saying anything. I, I said that, it, you know, I might move on to be to try and represent as a senator of the great state of Tennessee. Maybe, maybe not. Um, I don't know. I just think that we have a lot to do and and we have people who are in the way of accomplishing that. I think I think Trump has worked hard. President Trump has worked hard in making America great again. But we have people who could finish it off and 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 make it completely great and keep it great. But they don't want to they've been there so long they're so ingrained they're part of the swamp you know and swamp creatures don't want to leave they leave to eat and a lot of times they eat on people like president trump who who's new who's a novice in the political world for the most part i mean yeah he he probably throw through fundraisers for for candidates and different things so he has interactions with them but he's not been involved in politics you know and and he has eight eight years basically you know uh usually you can it's it's pretty much a given that the person's going to win the the re-election there's a there's just a little handful of times that hasn't happened and and so we have to um you know we have to work and keep him in office that's one of the things but we have to work and keep others out of office those who will you know because once trump's gone what's going to happen are we going to keep the uh keep draining the swamp and getting rid of it or are we going to just let it go back to the way it was what is America going to look like post-Trump is the is the real issue here. It's not what America looks like while Trump's in office. Because quite honestly, I'm so glad he was elected. Because if we were going to continue Obama's legacy, which was uh, running the economy down, heading towards socialist government being being rejected and, and and defeated and 
and being behind in the world and, and all this stuff, which is terrible. I was scared in 2016, to be honest, because by all accounts, Hillary Clinton should have won the presidency. What more corruption would have been done? What, what more could have been done? What damage would have been done? What irreparable uh, damage, irreparable stuff? I, I don't... You know, what would have happened if she had... I don't want to think about it. I thank God every day that President Trump won. And he has the people in mind. And that's what I want you to understand for me. I have you all in mind. This district is my home. I was raised here. I want this district to be served by people who actually care for this this district and will fight for this district and who loves this district. And I'm not saying that Phil Rowe didn't do that. But we we have to keep electing people who will do that. I want I want you to all understand that that we have to elect people that will do that. And part of that is making sure that they have a limited amount of time to do it. So they don't get power hungry. They don't get stuck in, in the ways, oh, I'll just do it because this is easy. You know, I got other plans for my life. I got other callings on my life. But I felt called to this place and time that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. When I was praying about this and looking into this and seeing what needs to be done for this, confirmation after confirmation was coming to me from God, from people, from other things, and, and saying, yes, this is what you need to do in this time. You know, God calls people in the time. He calls the right person for the right time. And I believe this is the right time for me. And I believe I'm the right person for this job. I believe Donald Trump was the right person in the right time for the job in which he holds. But we have to stand against evil. And one of the ways we can do that is signing or getting the term limits amendment in place. I was talking to a guy about another issue and I, I told him that I had signed uh, the term limits pledge. And we were talking, we had a great discussion, and he brought up an interest, interesting point about not, um, not necessarily term limits, but that the, uh, we should repeal the 17th Amendment. Now, if you don't know what the amendment is, it is the uh, direct appointation um, of the senators by the people of the state and when you have that it's tough um, that wasn't the way our government was set up our government was set up with the idea that the states would appoint the senators all right the state houses so the state congress basically um, and this is this is it right here let's see uh, the Senate of the United States shall be composed of two senators from each state elected by the people thereof for six years and each senator shall have one vote 
the electors in each state shall have the qualification resgrit for electors for the most numerous branch of state legislator. All right, so um, then it goes on and talks about vacancies and stuff like that. But that, that first part, the Senate of the United States shall be composed of two senators each from from each state. All right, I'm cool with that part of it. I think two from each state, that way it's 100 and we're good. You know, it's not this, uh, like House of Representatives or like, 400 and something members, 490 something. Uh, you know, it's a uh, number. Uh, let's see. So, you know, there, each state gets to have a lot of, um, House of Representatives. Uh, apparently, right now, the total membership of the House of Representatives is 441. There are 435 representatives from the 50 states. So, um, you know, that's kind of, that's great. We have that. And so they, they wanted to balance it out with the Senate just having the two which that's the great part of, and I agree with that specific part of the 17th Amendment. However, and the part that each senator should have one vote. Agree with that. That's, that's all fine and dandy. The part is, is being elected by the people. It used to be set up that they were elected by the state houses. So the state legislators. So the state senate and the state house over in Nashville would appoint two senators. Sometimes that could, I think that could actually be like the governor could go represent there or like the speaker of the house and the senate leader could go represent or they could appoint. Well, this pastor down in Knoxville is doing really well. Uh, I think he would be a really good representative of the state or something like that. It would be an honor to have this position. You know, it still is an honor to be a senator, don't get me wrong. But, you know, we were talking and he said we need to repeal that one. And I, and I do agree with him. I, I think we could leave majority of it in place. I think two is fine from the states. I think that each should have one vote. I think that part of it is fine. I think we have to repeal the part and go back to the way our founding fathers had the way the Senate was was established was the state houses would appoint the representatives and if they did something they didn't like then the state houses could recall them call them immediately let's say here here's the thing out in Utah right now there's a lot of Mormons all right oh we can't we're supposed to just call them Christian now but you know whatever uh, Mormons, just so you can, you know, I would still call a church a Baptist or Methodist or whatever, just to help define where they are, you know, what group of people they are of, of the, the of the Christian denomination or the Christian uh, spectrum. All right, um, but anyway, there are Mormons out there. So a lot, actually, a lot of Trump's President Trump's personal life offends them.
but they really like him. He has some of the highest approval ratings among the Mormons, especially out in Utah. All right. Who's their senator? Mitt Romney. He has one of the lowest approval ratings of any senator by his state. All right. You want to know why? Because he's voting against President Trump. He voted against him in the uh, impeachment hearings. He voted against him on other things and he's saying stupid things and coming up with some crazy extra Twitter account to kind of promote himself and trash Trump. And like, you know, people don't like that. I don't care what, if you're religious people or, or not. People don't like duplicity like that. You know, that's one of the reasons I want to do this podcast is so you can hear me and, and hear my conversation and how I kind of work through things and, and be a part of things. And I just want you to hear that. Um, you know, I don't I don't want to be duplicit. I don't want to have double standards. I don't want to have I don't want to live my life one way out in public and different inside the house. I mean, you could honestly talk to any one of my family members. You can talk to any one of my friends. And at the end of the day, they'll tell you, I know exactly where he stands. Whether I agree with him or not, I know exactly where he stands. And yes, he talks politics and theology a lot. Because I like it. Because that's interesting to me. I, I like talking. I like how it interacts and mesh. Uh, meshes. But, you know, we we go on and we see these things. And, you know, we have to, to do something. And how can we make sure that Congress actually does what the people want? One of the ways is let's repeal the 17th Amendment. Get the state houses and state senates to appoint senators to those offices. Anyway, back to, back to the Mitt Romney thing. If he was appointed by the state house there in uh, the state congress uh, in Utah, he would, he would have been recalled. And they're actually putting up legislation to recall him and put it on the ballot of the next, next, this next cycle here in, in um, November. Because a lot of people are upset that he didn't take the side of the president. You know, and, and so if we repeal at least that specific part of the 17th Amendment, for sure, we could do a lot of, a lot of good. But I, I, I even believe more so than that. I think we have to have the term limits because I don't, okay, we do that, great. I, I think that's great, but they can go on forever and ever. I, I Then you're going to have them start doing not necessarily stuff that, is seen in the public, like stuff they say on television or stuff that gets written about in the local paper because of what they're doing, but because of uh, backdoor deals that never gets the light of day when they get there. And they believe, i got a lot of power because I'm senator. You know, and honestly, I don't care as much about the Senate uh, having terms as much as the House because I, yes, there's still people in the Senate that has 
that has been that have that had that has been there for a long time. You know, Chuck Schumer's been there for a while. Uh, Mitch McConnell's been there for a while. Lindsey Graham has been there for a while. You know, John McCain was there for a long time, and uh, you know I. And I think we need to get these guys out and bring in new blood and bring in fresh, you know, voices and and fresh power and fresh, you know, everything, fresh water to put in the swamp. You know, when you drain it, if you're going to, you know, I, I'm reminded when Trump talks about draining the swamp, I'm reminded about the parable Jesus would say where, you know, if a demon leaves someone, you know, is cast out and the person puts the house back together and, and, you know, sweep the floor and put the furniture back in, the, in order and, you know, and everything. And the demon comes back and sees that the house has been swept and put in the order. It would go and get seven more demons, more, uh, more evil than itself to come overtake it. You know, why, why, why could, why, why don't we take heed to that and see that, Okay, Donald Trump drains the swamp. What are we doing to prevent the swamp from being uh, filled in again by uh, by more swamp people, by more evil, by by people who don't care what the people say or what the Constitution says or anything like that? We we need to make sure we fill it with the right people. And part of that is let's make sure those people don't get to stay there forever. So we don't have people like Nancy Pelosi running the house right now and being stupid. Oh, I think she's being incredibly stupid. You know, it, it's just, it's unbelievable to me the things she said. Half the time she gets up and talk about President Trump, she calls him President Bush. I'm like, what decade are you living in? We're not even in the last decade. We're in a new decade now, and you're still calling him President Bush. And President Bush wasn't even in the last decade. He was in the decade before the last decade. I mean, come on. There, there has to be something. There has to be an issue there. And, and when you've been somewhere for 35 years almost... Uh, and being that long, I mean, it's the same thing with Joe Biden. What, what, he's like, I, I'm not afraid to ask for help. So here I am. I'm Joe Biden. I'm running for Senate and I need your help. Uh, no, you're not, Joe. You're running for the president of the United States. So why did you just say you're running for Senate? You know, both of these people, Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, I personally believe has some mental diminishment uh, whether that is early onset Alzheimer's or dementia or something like that I'm not saying that because I'm trying to be mean I'm really not I'm saying that because I'm looking at them and I know people who have it and go oh you're lining up with everything I've seen with other family members and stuff who've had had that and and you're are you getting checked out uh, have you tried doing something and I I know they're wanting to ride this horse until they can't anymore. And I mean, like I said, you had Elijah Cummins, who I think would have been there a lot longer if he hadn't died. And I don't mean that to be mean about him, but he he was already there like 
22 years, 23 years. And I think he would have been longer if he could have. We don't need to have people there long term. We don't need people to be there all the time. We don't need people to be in uh, in office and in power that long because they they get power drunk. And then they start making decisions based on what they want and how to stay in power. And, you know, they'll do, you know, little specific things for themselves. And it might seem like, oh, well, they're standing up for this. They're going out and saying the right things. And yet they sneak in a whole bunch of stuff in bills that they're like, this is a COVID-19 response bill. Uh, Then why is it okay that... If you're a small business owner and an employee wants to unionize, you have to let them unionize. Why is that in uh, a COVID-19 response bill? Why is there money for Planned Parenthood in the COVID-19 response bill? I mean, why why is there election protections in the COVID-19 response bill? I'm all for having election security and protection things but let's make a bill at a little later time to have to counter that after we get through the crisis in which is at hand let's stop and just okay how are we best going to help the people i know let's allow same day registration for voting what how does that help people now and honestly, some of the stuff they're throwing in there is going to take five years to implement. It's already been proven that it takes that long to implement certain things. Why are you doing it now? Why, why not wait until even after the election to, to put those things through? And technically, you're not allowed to hide money for Planned Parenthood inside bills. It's against a, uh, the Hyde Amendment. So why are you doing that? And that's another thing. Anyway, I'm getting off on that real quick. Um, why in the world are Planned Parenthoods and other abortion clinics open there in this? They are non-essential entities. I don't care what you say. Oh, they're a medical thing. Baloney. They are not a medical facility. If they were a medical facility, they would be doing other things other than... Uh, abortions that's all they do they only do abortions okay they might provide condoms and birth control they might oh whoop-de-doo that's providing medical treatments right there for sure why is it that Planned Parenthood leads the world in abortions and doesn't offer another procedure it doesn't offer often mammograms. It doesn't offer uh, offer pap smears. It doesn't offer any other type of medical services other than abortions. Now, people want to come out and say, yes, they do. Then why don't they list it on actual things they do every year? They'll put it on their website. And then when you look at what they actually, how many they do a year, zero. Zero, big fat zero, is on how many procedures they do outside of abortions. 
That's wrong. Why are they getting funding from the government if they only do abortions? Why are they still open during the coronavirus crisis when dental offices are not? And I understand dental, you know, cleanings and and work can be essential. I mean, if you have ever had a root canal, you know that nah, that probably wasn't that probably was essential. Not what that wasn't a, an elective thing necessarily. That was an essential thing because of the pain. And I've had a root canal, so I understand the pain with that. But you know. Dentist offices are closed. They provide a much better and much realer medical uh, service to the community than Planned Parenthood does. And yet they're open. I wrote our governor. Uh, so if you're listening this into the future, I, I wrote him back on March 26th. And I told him. Declare them non-essentials, abortion clinics, non-essential, and shut them down there this time. I told them to do that. I told them why? Because they're non-essential. And this is the humane thing to do. This is the right thing to do. This is the godly thing to do. And it just makes sense. It's not a an essential service. It's not. I don't care how you split it. Abortion is not. All right, I need to put a pin in that. That needs to talk more on my pro-life issue one. This is about term limits. Sorry, that was just a rant, and I I like to rant sometimes. And when I have an opportunity to go in, I rant. Anyway, uh, where was I? Term limits. Term limits need to be in effect for House members. We need to put it into effect so that people don't be there that long. I feel like I'm a broken record sometimes when I talk about this stuff. But that's the point. We need to hear it over and over again until we realize, yes, this is something that needs to happen. You know, I've been talking about this for a while. I've been following term limits for a while. And now that I'm running, you know, some people might go, oh, he's just running on it because he's running this year. No, I followed them. I'm a member of cert- certain organizations, and I've been a member of them for a while. Some I found and like, oh, I want to be a member of them now, because I just found them out about them. But doesn't mean I didn't support those groups before. I, I've been pro-life all my life because I was adopted. I could have been a statistic in the abortion industry, but I wasn't. I was put up for adoption. Let's talk about that option. Let's talk about that choice. If it's the woman's right to choose, then let's give them the actual choice. Let's not say, oh, it's the right to choose to have the abortion. Let's talk about, it's the right to choose to have that baby and put it up for adoption. Or to have that baby and keep it. They don't want to talk about the choice, actually. They want to talk about the choice to only have an abortion. They, they, they want you to believe that the only choice is to have an abortion. If you make any other choice other than to actually terminate that baby, then you're not making a choice. You're believing in the lie. The patriarch society has duped you. No. That means they actually made a choice. They were presented the options and they made the choice. But if you want to be make a choice one-sidedness and not give them the facts... That's wrong. 
That's a biased choice. That's a messed up choice. All the choices I've ever made, it's I get the option. And I weigh the pros and cons. And I make that choice because that's the best choice based on the pros and cons. Do I want Papa John's pizza or do I want uh, Senior Taco, which is a Mexican joint uh, that I frequent? You know, I weigh the choices, but I have the choice there. I'm not saying I'm only having Papa John's and I have to make that choice of only having Papa John's and I get the choice between Papa John's and and Senior Taco. Again, I'm getting off on a different issue. That would be on a different thing. But, you know, we have to understand this. We have, you know, I, I'm going to make the call here. You need to make the choice when you go in that voting, voting booth on August 6th for a candidate that, one, is going to support the district and support you who live in this district. And I, I guarantee that I will because I always do that. I try and see what's best for, for the people. You know, there's a saying in Star Trek and, and some other places have adopted it. You know, the needs of the many outweighs the needs of the few. So I want to represent you all. I don't want to represent D.C. I don't want to represent the House. I don't want to represent anything. So when a choice is being made in the House, the needs of the many, the many is you, the constituents of District 1 of Tennessee, not the needs of the few, the members of House and Senate. No, it's, it's you guys. You are the ones that I make the decisions based off of and make sure that they help you all you know honestly i would have probably vote no on this uh coronavirus response bill because they put a whole bunch of nonsense in it and i'm a nonsense i'm, I'm a no nonsense person especially when it comes to politics you know i i understand that there's a lot of help and i would be like sitting there like why are we why are we bickering over little things that shouldn't be in the bill this way and it, this really, really makes me upset when they stuff things in the bills. You know, uh, back in December when they were passing the Omnibus Bill, which is a continuing resolution budget bill, which that's a whole other topic in itself, but they stuck in, they snuck into that bill law to change the uh, legal age to buy tobacco to 21 from 18. All right, I'm okay with that. That, to me, doesn't have a problem. My problem, however, is that they snuck it into another bill. Just like they snuck in funding for Planned Parenthood in this coronavirus response. And you were worried about a $500 million slush fund for companies so they could pay for things that they have to pay for. Now, now, the media and the Democrats want it to sound like they snuck this in there so they could pay for things like buybacks of their own stocks and, and other things and pay raises for executives. No, there's actually was language in there that actually says that they have to use it to, for like bills, like leases and paying for the bills of the company and stuff like that. But they don't want you to know that. They want you to think this is for buybacks. This is for executive pay, that they get pay raises during this time. Oh, we can't have that. No, I don't want that either. But that's not what this was. 
This was a fund so they could have money on hand and have an access to it. And then, okay, we need we need some help here, and they have access to money to pay those bills. You know, and and so that that's that's nonsense that they were they were so upset with that, but they can put in things like. Oh, if an employee of a small business wants to unionize, then that owner has to let them unionize. That's terrible. That's absolutely terrible. What? The three employees want to unionize? Oh. That, I mean, that's ridiculous. Money for Planned Parenthood in this bill. That's ridiculous as well. You know, I hate that. You know, we have to understand these things and we have to work toward things that actually work and and one of those things is we send no nonstant characters uh, uh candidates to the to to the office all right we need we have to do that and and, and so you need to get in there and vote for non or non you need to vote for n- non you need to vote for non nonsense characters. So people who are not for nonsense. So I'm not for nonsense. I think it's ridiculous as I when I'm on a little rant about sticking things in the bills. I think that's ridiculous, stupid, nonsensical, and why in the world are they wasting our time by sneak, sneaking things in the bills? Alright? That's stupid and pointless and why? Now on the other hand uh, we have to go through and vote for candidates who, like me, who will support term limits. Like I said, I've signed the term limit pledge. We have to understand that. We have to work with it. We have to do the right thing. And we need to work with term limits so that we can work through this and get the right people in the office. And to do that we need to to find those best candidates out there and some of those will be who will be those who sign the term limits pledge another thing is supporting a uh, complete overhaul of our taxes that's why I'm a fair tax candidate HR 25 house resolution 25 this is so you can keep 100% of your paycheck all right I'll get more than that in another topic in another another podcast but I just want to bring it here you know you people who will do the things right for it um, for you so you you understand the things and, I, and I'll get more in depth with the fair tax later um, but you know and then also, you need to vote for someone who will stand for the Bible, stand for God. You know, like I said, we need someone to vote to, to vote for that votes the Bible, vote, vote for God, you know, and I say it all in my tagline, God, family, Tennessee. Those three priorities in that order, let's vote for things that's of God, for God, and by God. Let's vote for things that are for families, and that's of families, and that's by families. And then I want to promote Tennessee in, in, 
I want to promote the whole state, but primarily District 1. And we have to do this. And we have to do it now. And we have to send people there to do this. And I understand that I don't have a whole lot of uh, stuff going on right now. And I'm hoping that by the time this podcast airs and you all can listen to it, that you can go to my website and my Facebook and Twitter and Instagram page and, and see events that are coming up, meet and greets and speaking engagements and stuff like that. So as we come to the end of this podcast, I want, I want to make that call again. Vote for people who will vote God, family, and Tennessee. Vote for non-nonsense candidates. So no nonsense candidates like myself. And, you know, if you like this podcast, like review on Google and Apple uh, podcasts and, and SoundCloud, you can get it there as well. Rate, review it. Rank me five stars, please. That helps. Uh, go to my website, fillforhouse.com. That's fill with the number four house.com. And Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at fillforhouse. You know, it's been an honor to be with you today and speak with you. And it's it's just great. So, until next time, this has been the Phil Arlinghouse Program. And I'm your host, Phil Arlinghouse. God bless you, and God bless America. <laughs>